I think we have to question this idea of rules. So if someone wants to call themselves Scottish, they should just be allowed to. You know, if someone is a huge Outlander fan in San Paulo in Brazil, and they wish to be seen as Scottish, that's great. They can come and be part of our diaspora. Welcome to episode nine of the Scottish at Heart podcast with me, Alison Fraser. This podcast is for anyone who feels Scottish at heart, regardless of where they live or their ancestral claims. My guest today is Russell Dalgleish. He's the chairman of the Scottish Business Network and goes all over the world meeting members of the Scottish diaspora to build stronger connections to Scottish industry. Russell's specialist subject is the Scottish diaspora. He's a passionate Scot, born and bred in the Scottish borders, and while he's not living overseas, he has identified how those Scots who are can still play a vital role in Scotland as we know it today. There are links to the Scottish Business Network in the show notes, so if you identify as Scottish diaspora, take a look to see how you can get involved. So fill your glass, make yourself comfy, and enjoy listening to Russell Dalgleish. Russell, can we get started with what is meant by the Scottish diaspora? Yes, that was a question I asked myself a few years ago. So the definition that we use is someone who was born, has family, worked or studied in Scotland or has an affinity for Scotland. So this could be someone who has developed a great interest in Scotland or Scottish history or Scottish business, but perhaps hasn't had the opportunity to visit. So we have a very broad church, if you like. I actually only learned the word diaspora in the last couple of years. So it, but it made a lot of sense to me because I have this affinity to Scotland, as we talked about before we started the interview. And I know a lot of people in New Zealand who also have, would claim to be diaspora because they're either Scottish or love things like the bagpipes and the military tattoo. I'm quite similar because when we started Scottish Business Network, it was our business group in London who supported Scottish companies who were trying to break into the city. And we got several hundred people getting together and it was all great fun. But in 2018, we were contacted by a Scot in Atlanta who said, are you Scotland's diaspora? I'd like to join. So I'm a salesman. So I, of course, said yes. And then had to go into Google to work out what a diaspora was. And that's where I got my education from. And then as a businessman, I went out into the world to find a leading expert on the subject who could advise us. And that was Kingsley Aitkins from Dublin. And Kingsley came in to provide, he's a, a world-renowned speaker on the subject of diaspora and global network. So he's been an advisor to us now for five years. Wow. So you travel the world meeting people who are connected to Scotland. Yeah. That, that must be a pretty cool job. It's, well, it was never supposed to be a job. And I don't really think of it like that. So this is by hobby, if you like. And it's just kind of grown out of, it's grown silly. We did a survey two years ago and looking to try and get maybe 100 or 200 Scots around the world to give us their thoughts on, on what we could do and how we could grow. And we ended up getting 1,072 responses to our survey from Scots across 72 countries. And that's when we realized that we really had hit something which was of great interest in the world. So yeah, it's, it, it, I'm, I'm very fortunate. And it's kind of like a specialist subject of mine. And then I've discovered this connectivity skill 
I have, which is to introduce people. So yeah, it's, it's wonderful funding. And we've actually created two companies as well. So we created Net Zero Nation, which is a Scottish organization which helps drive down carbon footprint from companies. And the Scottish GovTech cluster, which is now bringing together technology companies in Scotland and then connecting them with the world. Well, Scotland is so well known for being so innovative. I mean, if we look back in the past, a lot of things that we use today have got connections back to Scotland. You know, the TV, for example, the telephone, yeah. decent roads. So we've got a lot to be thankful to Scotland for. So I guess, you know, it, it's only natural to try to have this connection now when Scots have gone all over the world. Yeah, I think innovation is a subject that's particularly popular in the mainstream media. And our, our young people want to graduate and become entrepreneurs and be innovative and creative. So the fact that so much innovation can be historically linked with Scotland, not only in terms of innovation, in terms of products and services, but also in social movements and different things. So it, it does kind of fit, we're kind of hitting the zeitgeist, if you like, at the moment. Why is it important that you have this connection, this network of the Scottish diaspora? So it's become something of a mission to me. So initially we wanted to try to get a couple of hundred people together who shared this interest in Scotland because I, I, I like breaking down barriers. So we would bring people together who wouldn't normally meet. So people from different social spheres, different age in particular was a big one, different gender, etc. So that's been really interesting because if you, and what you happens with diaspora is if you take maybe a, a, a 20 year old young lady who's driving a startup and you introduce her to a 70 year old chap who's a major investor from China, they maybe they would never normally meet and they don't have anything in common. And then you discover they're both from Hamilton and that's it. That, that's enough at that stage that they're going to start swapping stories. He's going to say, is that chip shop still there? You know, and then it just kind of runs into it. And what happens is diaspora is a way to create trust and a relationship more quickly than it is between people with nothing in common. And today we live in a world whereby um, business is done at the speed of trust. I, a quote that we got from a, um, a very successful Scot, Eric McAfee, who's a, a VC in America. And, and that kind of trust idea is core to what's at the, at the center of our, our diaspora network. Have you had any other stories like that connecting people and you find that they have got a town in common? Is that quite common for you within the network? It is. Well, what we see is that you have diaspora, i.e. We, we both have an interest in Scotland, but then we see that subdivided by sector, by university, by, so by sector, by education, by geography. So... Two people from Inverness have that thing in common. Two people who studied at Edinburgh University have that in common. So we find there's a subdivision there that works as well. And it's, it, it's interesting that... It, it's, so if you think about what we do is we kind of break down barriers. So we've discovered... We had an example on Friday, which was a young man was, had, had come up with a, a, a food product and he was very keen to speak to a, an incredibly successful young female entrepreneur who just done a, a raise of several million pounds. 
and he wasn't sure if he could contact her. So we made the connection and um, she called him within an hour. And what was happening was that they had a sector thing in common. He had heard about what they were doing and she was interested to share some of her experience. And we find that the Scots are incredibly generous with their time. So incredibly generous to take that call. So it's, it's great that way. Mm. That saying that there's that misconception, I think, that Scots are quite mean. Because I've always found that Scots are very generous, as you say, with time, but just with a lot of, a lot of things. I, I, I think we're very generous. I, I would have to say, and you've got to remember, I speak from someone who has met thousands of Scots over the last eight years all over the world. We have a unique relationship with money. We, we have a relationship with money that is not, um, it, it is not the same as the other culture. And it's about value. So I've just booked this flight and I saved 200 pounds. Scottish people go, well done. Our result, that's what you want. And it's almost like taking it to the man kind of, kind of attitude there. So we have this great relationship with value. And that is really unique. And it's not, it's not a, a meanness. It's just a, a wanting to get, to get that value from the money you're spending. And it makes us particularly good in business as well. Very strong at negotiating, very ensured that you, you've actually been able to equate the money that someone's spending with the value they're receiving. Mm. I think that's important in business too, to have that yeah. relationship. Yeah. yeah. Can we go back to your earlier roots, Russell, and find out what led you to the Scottish Business Network? You mentioned before you're in sales. So tell us about yourself. So, so I'm from the Scottish town of Selkirk in the Scottish borders. My family name is Dalgleish. And the first time Dalgleish is ever reported in the records was in the 14th century. And it was seven miles from where I was born. So my family hadn't really traveled that far. You know, they possibly as border reavers. They'd been involved in import-export where they got on their horse rode across the border, stole things and came back again. So the border reavers thing was very strong. But I'd always had a great desire to travel. So my whole life's been involved in travel. I trained as a technologist um, and I, I built a successful career doing that. Then got into sales and marketing and subsequently into investment and doing turnarounds and quite broad. But I'd, I'd always been away from home. I'd always been traveling. So this, I had this great interest in the fact that if during your journey, you meet someone with a similar background, another Scot, there was immediate trust. There was immediate desire to be together, to two strangers in a strange land. So that, that kind of led us to this idea about creating Scottish Business Network. And, and actually, the trigger point for me was 2008. I was selected to take part in a sculptor, Anthony Gormley's latest piece of work. So in 2008, he was given one of the plinths in Trafalgar Square in London. And for, for three months, every hour, he would put someone on the plinth who could do whatever they wanted. So I, I did four in the morning. I dressed in my kilt and I did a, a performance piece about my life. So I was dressed as a Scotsman with a big woolly jumper on and a kilt. But I also had a large flag. Because the Selkirk, the town I come from, has an annual festival which involves the casting of the colour. 
and that that's a, a flag festival. So I was waving this flag, and then I was listening to the music of my youth, which was all Scottish music from the seventies uh, and eighties. So it was really interesting. I did that piece, and it really rekindled in me this great desire to do something for Scotland. And then that led on to us um, creating a few years later Scottish Business Network. And then we've just been on a roller coaster since then. We had a a highly successful not-for-profit organisation that brought Scots together, particularly in London. And then during COVID, this then exploded globally because whether you were in in New Zealand or in Lalisco, where I am, you were always a Zoom call away. So we found that we were used as a, a way to connect people around the world so that people weren't alone. And we ended up during COVID, we delivered over 210 events online around the world. And that, that, that really meant as we came out of COVID with this tremendous momentum. I think we can be thankful to COVID for a lot of things. Things like, you know, all the events that you put on. For me, uh-huh. it was, I started reading the Outlander books uh-huh. just before COVID hit. And, yeah. and I'd never really got into my Scottish background much. I always uh-huh. used to say I was English um, uh-huh. because I thought I was more English than anything else. Yep. But with, with COVID, I was reading the Outlander books and, and you know, you've got Jamie Fraser, the protagonist, and my maiden yeah. name is Fraser. And then I started looking more into my family history. And I'm actually a hell of a lot more Scots than English. 67% to 13. So I think yeah. Scotland definitely wins. So, But that COVID has led me onto this journey of learning more about myself and my Scottish connections. So. Uh-huh. So now I'm feeling a lot more Scottish than, than ever, except I don't have the accent. I, I, I think we all want to belong. And this, this world we're in where I think it's about a fifth of the world's population do not stay where they were born. So we've always got this desire to, to, to so, so that the villages that are traditionally humans who have been brought up and everyone would have been related or it was expanded. And now it's a global phenomenon. So we want to find some way to be connected back to where our roots are and where we're from. And, but diaspora is proving much more than that. I think it's going to become a political force as well as a commercial force as well, as we use this as a way of create trusted network. What do you mean by a political force? Well, if you, if you think about Scotland, so we think about Scotland as being a country, a nation, a geographical place. But also we have these people all over the world who see themselves as Scottish and they would like to contribute more to Scotland. So why don't they get a vote in what we do with Scotland? So those kind of, so we're seeing those discussions happening in diaspora groups around the world. You know, if the diaspora were willing to contribute in terms of taxation, would they get some kind of ability to, to vote as well? And those are interesting political discussions. What is a country? What is a nation? You know, if you look at Scotland and, and you say, well, Scotland is a, a nation within the United Kingdom or Great Britain and Northern Ireland. But we're also, we have a, a place that, if you think about the world's most popular sport of soccer or football, you know, we get a team, but we're not a country. So, so there's, there's these sort of strange analogies that happen because we are Scotland. And we're also highly appreciated around the world. And there's an opportunity there to take this brand of Scotland, which is seen as 
honest, hardworking, reliable, fun, but not funny, you know, sort of like great company to keep. But how can we use that to start addressing some of the world's greatest challenges? And that's kind of the journey we're on at the moment. And um, I think Scotland as the laboratory for the world is something that could become more and more significant. Mm. Yeah. When there's been elections, so you can have a vote as a citizen of a country if you don't live there. I know I voted in the New Zealand election when I was living in Edinburgh. Yeah. To have a vote for someone who, yeah, who contributes to a country, but they don't live there, that, that would be quite innovative. Well, we, 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 I think we're all now starting to challenge a lot of the, the ways our world is. And, you know, countries may be something that's proved it's just, it's just a passage of time and we move on to something else. But I, I think when we look at it, there's 5 million people living in Scotland and there's probably 20 to 30 million people who identify themselves as Scottish around the world. And Scottish Business Network's goal now is that by the end of this decade, we want to have at least 100,000 Scots on one platform. So we're developing our own technology at the moment. And, and that's, that's a fairly powerful grouping of individuals who have a, a, a sympathy towards one particular subject, in this case, Scotland. So we'll, we'll run our own diaspora investment fund. We'll do a lot of philanthropic work. You know, that, that becomes quite a, an interesting entity in the world. And we're seeing it with other diaspora groups as well around the world. That would be some, quite something. It's a good goal to have, 100,000. Well, we'll see. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a stretch target. But, that you know, we've got, I think, 14,000 people follow our company page or something on LinkedIn. So then we've got a good start. Hmm. How Scottish do you have to be to be able to call yourself Scottish when it comes to diaspora? Well, I think we have to question this idea of rules. So if someone wants to call themselves Scottish, they should just be allowed to. You know, as someone is a huge Outlander fan in Sao Paulo in Brazil, and they wish to be seen as Scottish, that's great. They can come and be part of our diaspora. I suppose if they have something to contribute, then why not? If they, yeah. or just even if that is just promoting Scottish tourism by watching Outlander. Yeah, yeah, and and, and see what they what they mean by Scottish. You know, it's it's it's. It's a very, I think it'll be an interesting, probably for the rest of my life, it'll be an interesting debate. You know, I, n- I never expected to be here, Just, I'm just about to turn 60, I didn't expect to be flying around the world meeting with Scottish people in different countries, and then making those connections between them and uh, the Scots back home. And a lot of it is it's strange, a lot of it's done by language. There is a colloquialism in Scottish speech which remains with people as they travel around the world. And, and you can you hear it an awful lot. And if you're someone who's maybe lived in Singapore for 10 years and you're invited along to a Scottish evening, there's a pure joy in hearing that those colloquialisms being used. And again, it leads to trust. Yeah. They're also passed down from like parents and grandparents. So even if someone is a first-generation American, they'll still have those Scottish words and phrases in their vernacular. But I, I think there's a desire for that, but there has to be a way to actually have that existence. So if I'm in Connecticut and my dad was Scottish, I'm an American, you know, and, but then how do I get, so maybe I might get, a, I might watch Outlander or I might get an opportunity to go and visit Scotland on vacation, but I don't get that sense of belonging. 
And that's something that we believe our networks are going to provide to people. Mm. And then we're going to get behind projects. So we have, no, we're working, we're hoping to start working with the Scottish Football Association as we build up towards um, uh, the European Championships for the football. And um, we're looking at working with the National Trust for Scotland Foundation in America and helping them. And, and these are all things that if you're second or third generation, you'd quite like to get the opportunity to take part. And, 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 and Scotland is so amazing because, you no, know, if I speak as a man, you know, so Walter Scott came up with an idea of an idealised image of a Scotsman in a black jacket, a white shirt, a kilt, white socks and strange shoes that tie up. But um, thank God he did. Because men do not traditionally reach out to wear their national costume, but you can't stop Scottish men from wearing that because we look sensational in it. So it, it, it's these, uh, these are all aspects of our society. You know, we, we have our own drink, we have our own alcohol, we have, we have all these different things as well. Do you take your kilt with you when you go traveling? Sometimes, yeah. It, it depends. If I'm going, uh, if there's going to be like a formal dinner, I would always go in the kilt. Because, you know, if, if, if I want to propagate a message, being the most memorable person in the room, it doesn't do any harm. It certainly um, shows your, your Scottishness right there and it then does. without you having to speak. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes. Can I ask you about uh, an ideal 24 hours in Scotland, Russell? If you had 24 hours to spend anywhere in Scotland, where would you choose to go? So I, I live in the town of Lorlithgow, just outside Edinburgh. So my, my 24 hours would be spent between here and Edinburgh. Um, it would be August. It would be the festival. You know, r r so get up in the morning in Lorlithgow, go for a run, then have some breakfast here. And then it's 18 minutes by train into Edinburgh. And then it would be the Edinburgh Festival in Fringe, which is just the simply most incredible experience and that also extends the day because obviously it goes on until two or three in the morning i think in if i look at linlithgow you know we've got a palace we've got a lock we've got a country park we've got the canal you know the original way to connect the east and west coast and then when we go into edinburgh we've obviously got this most incredible city you know possibly one of the truly great cities of our planet you know, we have that, that castle that dominates the entire horizon, the new town, the old town. And just, I, 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 th I think Edinburgh's left its mark on me and it'll, it'll be forever my most favourite city in the world. So my 24 hours will be spent between those two places. And what would you eat and drink in your 24 hours if you're going to have a perfect day in Scotland? Well, after my run, that would qualify me for a full cooked breakfast. So that, that would definitely be the way to start the day. A, a, a light meal at lunchtime, you know, we'd be, we, we really do like our coffee shops now, so it's coffee and cake. And then, oh, I suppose it would have to be haggis for dinner. But that would be, you know, maybe I could have a, a fringe burn supper. That would be the perfect way to do that. You can get haggis any time of year, there, can't you, you can. in, in Edinburgh for yeah. dinner? And with all the works, neeps and tatties? Yes. Sorry, I, I should, yes, uh, that would be mandatory. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, oatmeal biscuits. Yeah. Nice. And what would be the soundtrack to your day? What music would you like to listen to in between maybe going to a, a show or two? 
I suppose the soundtrack of my life is very much the, the popular music of the time when I was young. So, so that idea, it's really interesting. So I was in Sydney in Australia and I arrived in Sydney, um, flying down from Los Angeles. I was meeting ambassadors around the world. So Charles in Los Angeles and headed down to see Peter in Sydney. And as I was checking out on the internet, what to do in Sydney. I discovered the Proclaimers were playing the night I arrived in Sydney. So I went, got to go. I know I love jet lag, but you've got to go. So I booked my tickets and I turned up at the, at the theatre. And there I was, sitting in the theatre in, in Australia, watching the Proclaimers singing in Australia. So it was amazing. So I was feeling quite emotional. And then I got a text message from my son and he said, can, can, you, can we speak? I'm going, I'm at a concert. He goes, no, no, we've got to speak. So my son lives in Sweden. So I, I left the concert hall and went and sat out, stood outside in the, in the corridor to say, what's the problem? How can I help? And he told me that his wife was pregnant with our first grandchild. So that was like, that was, that was an amazing experience. You know, like to be in Australia, but to hear the Proclaimers banging out Proclaimers song. And then I went back into the theater again and cried my way through the second half of the concert. Obviously, desperately wanting to tell people what had happened, but nobody could hear because of the music. And then my, my granddaughter was born just two months ago. So, so there's something to me, which is that, that, that Scottishness or this, this idea about being Scotland around the world. I, I feel it is a, a kind of, I don't know, a spiritual journey, at least a mission that I'm on. So that kind of reinforced to me I was doing the right thing. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Proclaimers song? It's really interesting. I, it, it changes from time to time, but Letter from America meant an awful lot to me at the time when it first came out. So, so probably that. Mm. I actually went to, on the same tour to see the Proclaimers. They came here in uh -huh. March. So they All must, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool being surrounded by other people that were into Proclaimers. I guess there were a lot of yeah, Scots in yeah, the audience, yeah. but, but for you to get that message, well, to hear from your oh, son. Yes. Magical. Just, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, if, you, if, you've just, if you've ended up with this hobby come sort of a mission now, which is about connecting Scotland around the world, to get that message in that way, that was a bit, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. Meant to be, obviously. Meant to be. Yeah. yeah. Who was the music from your youth? I suppose it's that. It's, it's things like the Proclaimers and things. Yeah. There's so many good Scottish bands, artists. That... It, it's interesting though, when, when I was young, it wouldn't have been traditional Scottish music because, you, you know, when you're a teenager, you're rebelling against the status quo. So it wasn't that. Whereas now, I, I think I've got a growing appreciation of that. Yeah. Can you hear the sound of bagpipes from, you know, miles away? Yeah. It's a bit, uh, I, I go running round about the, the town of Lithgow, but I live and I run up into the hills. And I was, like, during the summer, I was running and I could start to hear the bagpipes and it was just a single bagpipe and I thought I must be imagining that and I, as I run up the hill I suddenly realized standing in the middle of the field was a bagpiper and he was playing his bagpipes in the middle of a field in the middle of the country and it's because his wife can't take the noise so he gets sent out so he's discovered that if he stands in the middle of the field he can play his bagpipes to his heart's content and no one bothers him but it was lilting over the hills it was amazing yeah, that would have been pretty cool out for a run and then just hearing the pipes. I mean, if you like bagpipes, obviously, I know not everyone likes them. Oh, everyone should like bagpipes. Yeah. It's a remarkable sound. Yeah. 
is there anything else that you would like us to cover, Russell, that I haven't touched on yet? I, I, I think I would encourage everyone you know, to reach out to us at Scottish Business Network. We're a, as I say, we're a, a non-profit organisation that just enjoys connecting people. So that, that we're there to be used and there to help. Over the coming years, I hope we're going to become much more prominent to do much more. So, so we enjoy making those connections. And it's what, what we have is that we have a, an entry ticket, which is someone has to have an ask. So they have to be something specific that they're after. So it could be yourself saying, Alison may say, Russell, could you name three people that I could interview who would be really interesting? And then that would be a clear ask that I could go and answer. I could definitely ask you that. I'll go and find you three people. Yeah, that would be amazing. Thank you. I've really enjoyed talking with you today about Diaspora and Scottish Business Network and everything in between. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Alison. Bye-bye. Thank you so much to Russell Dalglish for talking with me on Scottish at Heart. I'd love to hear what you thought of this conversation, if it's led you to think how you can get involved with Scottish industry wherever you are and whatever you do. What would you like to hear on this podcast? If there's a topic you'd like to hear more about, please do get in touch. You can leave me a voice message or send in an email to scottishatheartpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Join me next week for another conversation about being Scottish at heart. You've just listened to Scottish at Heart. For more Caledonian connections, join our Patreon. The link is in the show notes. You'll get bonus content plus a members-only space to strengthen your Scottish ties. You can also make our day by leaving a five-star review. See you next time.